Okay, good afternoon people. Um, this is John Johnson broadcasting to Radio Edutalk. It is the 5th of August, Wednesday, uh, but it's half past three, which is an unusual an unusual time for us. Uh, the topic today is slightly off our usual education beat. We're going to be talking about the Hey Presto Conference 20. Um, and I'm delighted to have Phil Baker and Pat uh, Lockley along here to talk to me this afternoon. Good uh, afternoon, gents. Hello. Good afternoon. Hiya. Hiya. Maybe we could just start off by, well, a brief introduction to yourselves and where you're coming from and then take it on to the actual conference and information about that. That would be a reasonable start, I think. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm Pat. Um, I, I have uh, you know this is my third time on the show. Uh, I should probably um, so I, I won't repeat myself for too long because hopefully you listen listen to the last two. Um, yeah, so I I live uh, just outside of Leicester, um, which at the current time sounds like a good place to be. Um, and I've been doing WordPress now for oh I was trying to work this out the other day. I must be heading into ten years since I did my first plugin. Um, and WordPress is eighteen. Uh, was 18 this year so I've been I've been around it for quite some time um, I, I tend to work um, effectively I call myself an, an academic technologist I do a lot of e-learning stuff but I do a lot of other things as well I, I tend to work with on a lot of longer projects but a lot of what I do is a lot of what I do is underpinned or is built on top of WordPress um, I'm self-employed I work for a company called Pigogi Web Stuff um, you may have seen me on the internet I'm a penguin on a pogo stick which sounds like a good thing for there to be on the internet. And that sounds like a nice way to pass to Phil. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Um, yeah, I'm Phil. Um, my interests are in technology to enhance learning and information systems for education. Uh, I used to work in the university sector, did so for 25 years, where I got a lot of interest in how you can share learning resources to try and improve the quality of education and, and maybe its efficiency a little bit and you know, ways of creating a, a more collegiate way of creating um, online learning. Uh, I now work as an independent consultant. Uh, a lot of my work is around the, the technologies that you can use for sharing learning resources. Um, but I've used WordPress quite a lot over the last five years. I, I found it a you know, very nice, easy route in, to start with just blogging and then to start you know modifying themes and that sort of thing and eventually got into writing my own themes and plugins and yeah, I think it's a, a very interesting example of an open source software that can be used to support open education. So the the, the, the conference sort of follows on a wee bit from PressEd which was WordPress and education but you're, you're widening the scope now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it, uh, to, to position the two. Yeah, it's it's compared to press it's a wider scope because it doesn't necessarily have to be to do with pedagogy, educational research, or effectively its use within um, universities and schools. Though, though, to be fair to press it, we we mostly picked up people from universities. And in terms of hey presto, um, we're a, we're a, we're aiming to be a not necessarily broader because I don't want to I don't want to. Um, besmirch or kind of um, 
belittle what we did with Pressed, what, what Natalie and I did with Pressed. Um, but yeah, it's the idea now is to is to look for for everyone uh, to be able to get on board and um, hopefully as many people as possible get on board and, and look to share their knowledge and their stories. And um, and it's interesting when you said about whether it's in terms of edge talk and educational stuff. It's 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 interesting kind of the journey that we went through with that we went through with Pressed and how. Um, the considerations of uh, pedagogic approaches in conferences because um, there's a lot that is said about conferences and proscenium marches and the effectiveness of that as a, le- as a way of um, transferring information. If you try and Google and look up stuff on the effectiveness of conferences, there's not a lot of research. It's always med schools, but med schools have literally researched everything. It's how they work. Um, and um, yeah, and the idea of whether whether conferences are effective way are an effective form of knowledge, kind of knowledge transfer and teaching, and and it's and it's dubious um, as to as to its its effectiveness. And you look at the costs involved, and you look at all the all the all the ways that they potentially could be improved. Um, and it's interesting pedagogically whether a Twitter conference is as effective um, or comparably effective to to. I don't want to say a normal conference, but I assume a conference with um, more of a presenters and audience effect. Um, and then you've got to measure that with the fact that with a Twitter conference, much as only one session is happening at once, you can revisit all the sessions at pretty much any point in the future. Which, when you compare to a standard conference, you've got to you've got to pick and choose what you want to get to, um, depending on whether they record or, or don't. So that that's why I mean you've you've chosen Twitter obviously I'm presuming because it's very easy to access uh, it's very very simple to use and all the rest of it as an online tool as opposed to video conferencing. One of the things that we're trying to do and you know Pat should get the credit for this is to widen participation in the the conference experience as much as we can so that it's not limited just to those who you know are privileged enough to be able to take two or three days away from home maybe traveling from one country to another Um, we're not privileging any one particular language i mean pat and i both um, speak english and i can't speak for pat's ability in other languages but mine's not great um, but as far as presenters are concerned that they, they can present in any language that they want to um, and um, you know we, we think one of the advantages of twitter is that it can bring in people from wherever they are in the world and whatever culture they're in yeah, having said on that, yeah, we, we know Twitter's not a, a, a perfect place. It's not a great place for um, a lot of people. Uh, and you know, we're, we're very keen to try and um, uh, offset some of the, the disadvantages with Twitter. So you know, if people want to present anonymously, for example, we can facilitate that. Um, and you know, generally, if people aren't used to Twitter or are unfamiliar with how you would actually run a conference on Twitter, will help out in in understanding that uh just to add something yeah last week it was the um wp conference wp conference um didn't just spoon rise again trying to yeah uh, they had their conference last week um and uh they did theirs uh via youtube with um live subtitling on the sub they were subtitled and they went out with like a 30 second time delay so the subtitling was hopefully um was then was then synced up with the presentation um 
so they did video conferencing and they provide in terms of accessibility um, for a written transcript for people to access. Um, that comes with a cost. Um, Press Ed and Hey Presto have have uh, always and almost saying it always makes it sound like it's a, a culture or a tradition, and it almost has become a tradition because. Um, obviously running it on Twitter uh, we can't charge access fees we can't charge you to come in to Twitter um, you know it, it just exists as it does on, on on Twitter and anyone can access it you don't even have to be logged in you don't have to have an account um, whereas if you want to do other forms of presentation and other forms of conference and maintain um, the same accessibility um, both in terms of accessibility and the um, alley sense and accessibility and they're just just being able to get to it sense um then then the costs would rise and rise and rise and whether that is whether individuals can support that on a kind of a just on a personal preference level i, I don't know whether that would be doable i mean it was okay of course there are some individuals who could pay for it um but um on a personal level i think it, i think it costs about five thousand to do um and that's probably a bit more than I'd be willing to pay for. But there's also a question about um, environmental benefits and much as Twitter is is going to be running at a large carbon footprint, we've built our website to be to use a WordPress theme called Susty, um, developed by a guy called Jack Lennox, who works for Automatic, the company that are uh, very influential and very powerful within WordPress. And it's designed to be as, um, um, as small and as compact and as 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 light as possible in terms of um, electric electricity usage and data usage. So, um, and we put it through a website carbon footprint calculator. But also having a small having a small website like that um, also means that um, as well as being environmentally friendly, it suits people who are accessing over mobile data. It suits people who are accessing over um, uh, limited bandwidth. Um, so as well as being environmentally friendly, um, which is, is this is not to position the two, it's not an as well as they're, they're, they're both equally valid points, but it's also great for people who are on on, on um, for, for whom video conferencing might just be too expensive for them. Yeah, and one of the, the the interesting things to me is looking at the site, and we'll we'll, we'll stick the the URL in the the show notes. Is that it, it sort of lifts the game quite a lot from uh, what people join in like a, a Twitter chat or something like this because it, you've got a code of conduct, you've thought about accessibility as you're talking about, you've thought about environmental issues and things like that so and you say it doesn't cost very much but the the, the cost in thought looks as if it's quite high um, you've thought about a lot of things that people don't usually think about when they're thinking about Twitter Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, there a lot of a lot of thought went into it. Um, um, there was a point at which um, Phil Phil tasked one of his kids to to try and work out how we did the language coverage because um, we've done the language based on um, speakers, whereas obviously in terms of the translations, it's based on text. Um, and obviously, there's a difference between being able to read, te- being able to read language, and being able to speak a language. And there's also an issue that if we went down, we we originally, um, for Presshead, we did we did we've done roughly the same languages. We did enough to effectively. I think Presshead was 49% of the world 
in terms of um, speakers of a language that we had a written version of our call for papers in that language. And um, for Hey Presto, we've got 21 languages um, up on the site. And some of those were selected because they they are the, 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 the biggest languages in the world. And some of them were selected for representational uh, value so um yoruba is a is a is a language that's spoken on um in nigeria and possibly areas around nigeria i'm not sure exactly of, of how far it's prevalent it's, it's mainly spoken obviously spoken in other places in the world um but it's not one of the bigger african languages it's just we didn't have an, an african language from from the western side of africa um and so we chose that um for the reasons of 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 location and it's those kind of questions where you, you're deciding and and it always comes up because someone go is everyone just going to present in english is everyone just going to talk in english but it's again it's it's if you're concerned about about just being welcoming for people then part of that being welcoming for people is to allow people to speak in the language that they're most happy to do and the question then you then you say is well is the translate tweet option is that as effective uh, as you know someone someone's ability to speak in two languages and the fact is well that's going to be really hard to say, but I'd sooner offer the welcome to people to talk in the language that they are to present or to, to submit in the language that they're most happiest in, um, and let, let the and let the translation and afterwards. And if people need to converse and check on things afterwards, yeah. But it, it's quite a. I guess it's it's yeah. In terms of the cost, it's kind of a slightly um, Sisyphus would be slightly negative, but it's. It's the idea of looking to make something as accessible as possible in as many ways as possible. And that's a task which doesn't end and it's and it's ongoing. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that's been quite substantial to do. And, you know, I, I think it's a good example of sort of open education and, and reuse and repurposing as well. Um, you mentioned the Code of Conduct, John. That was originally developed um, through an open process by, I think, Kong, a group of people called the To Do Group, or maybe the Toto Group. Um, so I don't think there's anything in the accessibility side or the Code of Conduct side uh, or the privacy side that we've um, generated ourselves completely from scratch. We're, we're mostly building on the work of other people who've worked openly. Uh, and so to that, extent it you know reflects the sort of thing that we, we we hope to be exemplifying when we're you know having an open conference about open source software and you know in the case of press ed it's uh, about open education as well yeah i should i should add on to that sorry sorry john i should add on to that, that obviously when phil says building upon yeah we are fundamentally reliant on the idea of twitter conferences coming we are we are we are based we wouldn't exist without the public archaeology twitter conference and lorna richardson and james um dixon um and you know that that idea is, is key to to the existence of both press head and to the existence of hey presto so so a lot of and a lot of the accessibility work again talking about wp campus they're they're an inspiration in terms of all the stuff that they've done um and i think it's important to try and to keep pushing on to keep finding ways of, of making um conferences better for the world and yes, that, that's one of the themes that we hope we'll get some submissions to address is um, uh, things addressing the, the governance models around um, WordPress uh, and classic press and you know, how decisions get made, how, how different people are included in the, the developer communities and the user communuties and what the, uh, the, the means of feedback are between um, 
users, part-time developers, professional developers, and, and the core development team for those um, th- those pieces of software. That was a thing I was interested in asking about because you have you've titled the the, the conference um, a, a WordPress and Classic Press um, conference. Is that for inclusivity, or is there? Uh, I, I wasn't sure if you're going to say another word there, but yeah, um, it, it, it's it's primarily for inclusivity. But as, as a, a tweet I saw this week, I think it was yesterday, that 25% of WordPress users are still on 4.9. So 25% effectively of WordPress users are effectively using um, what what would what would be Classic Press. Um, to what sense and purposes they aren't currently on Gutenberg. And if you think we're 5.5 WordPress is due due any time i think release candidate two is out which means 5.5 must be due relatively soon um and yeah it, 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 it's about inclusivity but it's also about um it's about the fact that it's effectively to what extent and purposes the same platform um we could have gone broader and you know said all cms's or something like that which would, would have been no doubt more inclusive but i think it's 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 WordPress is significant and large enough that um, you know it's thirty-seven percent of the web now that we, we, that it's that it's a good chance that you'll have something to say or that people have used it or developed from it. Um, is it political to include Classic Press? I my thought was it's about inclusivity, um, and you know um, I, I don't see Classic Press as a schism. I see it just as a as a as a set of people who believe in WordPress but wanted to take it a, a, a slightly different way and I don't have a problem with that whatsoever um, yeah that's me done yeah and I, I was very pleased that Classic Press was included in the in the tag um, because the recent changes to the back end of WordPress have made it um, more difficult to start as a, a developer um, creating themes and plugins for, for WordPress um, and it was that gradual learning curve from um, you know, occasional user through to um, theme developer plugin developer that um, that I took that that you know I really appreciated myself and uh, I look now at some of the technologies that are being used at the back end of WordPress and while I fully appreciate the effect that they have on the the user experience and why it's done um, I, I, I do worry that it's um, fencing off WordPress theme development for professional programmers only uh, and doesn't allow your um, you know, occasional person who occasionally dabbles in a little bit of PHP to, to get involved in the, the way that I did. So, yeah, that's why I'm very pleased that Classic Press is included. Um, I, I wonder now whether we couldn't have gone a bit further because one of the nice things about WordPress is that it becomes the basis for other types of content management system. So I'm thinking of things like um, Pressbooks here, which is a, a book authoring platform that's built on top of WordPress. Uh, and I'm sure you know there, there are plenty of other examples like that of um, specialized content management systems built on top of WordPress that we could have um, we, we could have included um, explicitly. You know that the definitely included implicitly um, but perhaps we could have been a bit more explicit about that range of possibilities 
yeah, it's, it's always it's always it's always a danger, isn't it? Again, this goes back to the, the code of conduct and a, a chat me and Phil had at the very beginning about um, uh, the paradox of tolerance and uh, whether you expl- whether you explicitly include something, but the act of explicitly including something does that mean that you aren't including other things? So when you come to write your code of conduct and everyone's seen a code of conduct, hopefully you're listing the things that you you don't want people to discriminate against. Um, it's whether you take that list to be literal or whether you take it in the spirit of it's written, which is basically don't discriminate. Here are some examples or whether you take it to mean literally these are the groups I'm not allowed to discriminate against, um, but everything else is fair game. And it's 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 knowing it's knowing um, how broad you can make it. I, I would like to say on the record that I fundamentally welcome everyone from Pressbooks as well, um, and from Recollection Pressbooks is, yeah, from Recollection Pressbooks doesn't use Gutenberg; it uses Classic, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 So they're 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 somewhat between the two. So I assume you could probably run Pressbooks just as well on WordPress and or Classic Press. Yeah, it's a kind of interesting area. Just, I mean, I use WordPress, but I'm still using the the classic editor just because various plugins and stuff I use don't aren't Gutenberg ready. Um, and you know, it's, it's a nice, interesting uh, conversation to be had. Maybe you'll get somebody to to, to talk about that a wee bit. I don't know. Uh, do you have you got an idea of the sort of range you're expecting of talks yet? Uh, no, no. Um, we've had we've had we've had some really interesting submissions so far, um, and geographically, um, we've we've reached areas that we that that we never reached with Pressed. Um, yeah, two two whole new countries um, so far that we never had with with Pressed, uh, which I think doesn't necessarily speak to. I think perhaps speaks to perhaps the um, a slightly Western Hemisphere um, or Global North whichever is the least contestable term, adoption of WordPress in education. Um, um, and and I think, um, but WordPress as outside of education, I think is adopted um, for, for lots of things in other countries at a much faster rate than necessarily it's been adopted within education. Um, and we, 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 in the, in the, in the uh, call for submissions, there's a list of things that we we're potentially interested in and, I think primarily we're interested in, in people with with anything interesting that they want to share. I think um, there's it's interesting when you look at other conferences that are going round and um, you see people's names and their job roles and they're working for really big companies within the WordPress sphere and it's almost like there's a culture that we accept now that they have to be people from the big companies, whereas there might be someone, um, you know. Uh, just someone who does a little bit of work there in their spare time who sit upon a, a brilliant idea um, and that idea deserves to be seen all the way around the world and the, the benefits of that that may lead to other people having epiphanies and we just assume that, that so much of the conference structure seems to be sort of a top-down thing and this is this is these are you sort of your superiors have their knowledge and where we're I would hope and I hope Phil would agree because if not uh, this was a long speech um, but um, um that we're about um, knowledge throwing, knowledge flowing freely. Again, a, a, a kind of key thing of openness in that sense that it's about the ability of giving, amplifying the amplifying the voices of people who perhaps don't necessarily get these platforms as much, and trying to allow for information to flow more equally. And hopefully, within that flow, 
there's a benefit to everyone one because it's encouraging people to share their stories and, and get their information out there but the fact is that these things may be really pressing and more interesting to, to to other groups that by nature of the structures that they're in aren't aware of um different ways of doing things that may really open up their eyes to potential and going back to the ideas of governance as well just trying to be as broad as possible in what we do on the basis that um you become more representative yeah i think amplifying voices is what we want to do we, we don't want to be restrictive in um just amplifying the you know the tech elite who who develop the the really fancy plugins um, or, or our core contributors to WordPress. Um, if somebody's using WordPress to run a blog and they, they want to present on, you know, how they've made that blog work the way that they want to, both in terms of, you know, content, appearance, dissemination, then, you know, we'd be interested in hearing that and amplifying that. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that, um, Everybody, no matter how technical they are, can learn from listening to the people who just use WordPress rather than who, who do the development for it and should be listening as well. Um, at the same time, if you've got a deeply technical thing that you want to discuss, then yes, we can discuss that as well and we'll, we'll amplify that and hopefully find a broader, broader audience for people who want to talk about um, intricate, deep, obscure techie things uh, that sounds great um, it, it, a number of years ago um, a lot of teachers in Scotland started um, at this, the teach meet movement um, which was really wee conferences where teachers got together and set their own agenda and presented at uh, well, sometimes at random um, from selections from the cloud uh, along with sort of bar camp and I think that was very useful in, 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 in breaking up the accessibility of conferences to the to the troops on the ground. Um, and this seems the, the same sort of process. Uh, yeah. well, you go, Phil. Okay, well, one thing that I've noticed since I, I left academia um, and started to going started going to non-academic conferences is how much the one, some of the ones that I've been to are you know, just dominated by somebody literally presenting on stage. You know, it, it's not about conferring. It, it's a presentation. It, it, it's, a, it's a show. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like to get away from that sort of thing. I, I, I like to get into more discursive ways of talking about what you're doing. Yeah, going back to the medical paper that I mentioned earlier, um, they concluded that the best way of changing practice um, was hands-on workshops, uh, that conference presentations weren't necessarily effective. And we're, we're not really necessarily about changing practice. We're, we're, that, that would be um, a bold a bold wish and perhaps something that would involve us doing more structural kind of um, stuff that we're, we're looking to do. But I, 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 I agree with Phil. I think... Um, um conferences and the confer is, is a key thing and obviously we've we've hopefully with Twitter the ability to ask questions um afterwards is, is there and to retweet and engage and to to follow on to other resources is something that is that is necessarily much easier because you think back to um to some of the evidence that if, if in a conference question in a conference session if the first person that asks a question is a man then the likelihood of um 
uh, a woman or someone who identifies as female uh, asking another question is vastly reduced. Whereas if if someone identifying as female asks the first question, um, then um, the likelihood that that would continue on is much higher. And you hope that in doing stuff on Twitter, you can, you know, by not having chairs, someone asked us early on if we were going to, I think it was at Presset 18, someone asked if we were going to chair the sessions. And I was like, yeah, it had never even occurred to me. Um, I don't so, know how you would. <laughs> uh, no, no, um, no, I, I, I couldn't couldn't speak for a technical reason on how to do it. But we do advise people to say on the last slide, please say, has anyone got a question to formally kind of invite conversations and hopefully in doing so that will bring on that and also the other great thing about twitter is when you're at a normal conference um even though we're all there with smartphones even though we're all there tweeting you know is, is anyone holding up their phone and broadcasting it live to another room whereas on with a twitter conference um explicitly you can you can share the content with your entire timeline um with a retweet um and that's really powerful and that's interesting because there are so many conferences that um, I haven't been able to go to, but people who I follow on Twitter have been to, and they've tweeted about. Um, and you know, you've been able to follow the conference hashtag and to get involved that way. Um, and you know, the the idea of having the conference primarily on Twitter seems to you know flip that. You know, it, it's not amplifying the conference on Twitter; it, it's having the conference on on Twitter. And it, you know, keeps all of those possibilities that you you have in what you might call a Twitter back channel, but pushes them to the forefront. And so, you know, you, you can have these um, connections made globally as the result of a, a single tweet. Um, you know, you, you might find somebody over on the other side of the world who, you know, re- reads your tweets uh, eight hours later. Uh, connects with them and forwards them to somebody else and you know you end up with some connection that you would have never made in a conference room with just you know 50 100 200 people in it i mean that that, that echoes very much uh, when i started writing a blog that was one of the reasons that i was interested in doing it because i didn't know anybody locally with the same interest in the areas of education i was interested in and um by writing a blog i could find other people that were at that time, uh, the conversations were back and forward in blogs as opposed to Twitter. This is back when people used to comment on blog posts. Yeah, it? yeah, this is a, 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 <laughs> somewhat a, a long time ago. The, the one one thing I, I, I've... Uh, there's an, an awful lot of my interest in a lot of this stuff is from the educational angle. There's a lot of people that post resources and things on, uh, on Twitter. And to my mind, they, they, they go... They go away, they they, they disappear, um, and I know in the the press ed conferences you encourage people to um, archive in some way their content. Um, are you thinking of doing anything around that on the 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 Hey Presto conference? Um, at, at the last press ed, we asked. Uh, we did a tweet um, about whether we should stick everyone's tweets into the Wayback Machine because um, I know at least two or three of the sessions of uh, people have got you know those all their tweets over six months old they delete and we fundamentally respect that it's, it remains your property and your content um, and whether there's a question of archiving them so all all the press tweets that there have ever been in terms of sessions uh, live as moments 
um, or should live as moments unless they've been deleted. Um, and yeah, it's a good point to say, should we go through and, um, you know, wave out machine all the links to make it permanent? It's interesting to do with the links because in theory they're publicly available. Again, it's, it's again, it's a question of consent. Um, and going back to the idea of cost, I'd not thought about doing that. Um, maybe we'll ask. Yeah, we're thinking live now, Phil. This is interesting. We're on a radio show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. It's a really good idea because it increases the permanence of it. And you could we could make the case that when we send out emails for um, acceptance to say, look, we, we plan to put all tweets into the all tweets and all links that have been tweeted into the into the Wayback Machine or to the Internet Archive, which may be the same thing, um, so that they exist um, in perpetuity. But then there's also the... I think it's something like Thread app, uh, which will pull them together, and if you throw them some money, it'll also make them into a wee PDF, and then they could hang out in the the, the conference site. Um, but again, you would probably need to ask people whether that was uh, what they would like. Um, yeah, we would do that. You know, obviously, with the presenters' permission, you know, they continue to own the the content that they've tweeted. But we're very much in the business of. Um, of curating these things, um, and that fits in with you know our overall aim of wanting to amplify people's voices. Um, you know, if if we give them uh, a more permanent presence, if the people who've tweeted it give their own tweets a, a permanent presence, so I, I know that when I um, contributed to PressEd, uh, I uh, wrote, wrote a blog post about my contribution basically you know the same content but um as a blog post um we'll amplify that we'll link to it we'll, we'll give it a little bit more google credit um and do what we can to to amplify what people want amplified yeah i think, I think that's the key thing is it's about it's consensual amplification yeah and consensual preservation we wouldn't want to make assumptions but we'll, we'll have to have a chat about it <laughs> <laughs> that's good uh, <laughs> so when we haven't actually mentioned when the conference is on um, so it's on Thursday the 24th of September from 10am that's UK time I think British summer time uh, to 10pm um, that's quite a long conference uh, and I wonder about you know are you, how are you expecting people to, to attend uh, yeah, again, it's a it it, it is a long day. Um, uh, having done three now, um, this this one will be the fourth. It's a long day. There's a lot to, to kind of bear in mind, to keep in touch with, and follow, and so on and so forth. And remember, at the first press ad, um, about six o'clock, I just ordered pizza for everyone in my family because I realised that I wasn't really going to be able to break. Um, and I, t- I think I missed one session just to eat pizza, and then went then went back on it again. Um, yeah, it's um, in terms of attendance. Again, again, that 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 rests heavily on personal preferences and individual choices and how people wish to attend, because some of that attendance will be um, uh, people will watch a few sessions in the morning. People will follow it as they go along. People will come back to it later on when it's into moments or however we choose to do it. Um, so that I don't want to, again, don't want to be prescriptive on how people choose to attend. And again, again, it, one of the issues when we say that 10 hours is a long time, it is, but it's also based on the idea that 
um, by starting at 10, you're in the Australian uh, evening. And by finishing at 10, you're hopefully there as, um, uh, um, I suppose, Australian, again, that's presumptive, but, but, but you know, um, that time zone. So Japan, Papua New Guinea, the Philippines, and so on and so forth, I've got a chance to do it. And as, as, the, as the world, um, as the rest of the world wakes up, it gives, gives hopefully every time zone a chance to have one time zone that they, they, they can submit in. Uh, and on the submission form, we allow people to choose the time zones that they, or the, the times during the day that they think they'd be able to do. Um, and again, similarly, I would assume that uh, people choosing to attend in a um, non-presentation or in a non-presenting uh, non sense could, could do the same. Yeah, I mean, the, the but the short answer, John, to, to your question is, you know, we expect them to attend intermittently. Um, I, I remember the first two press ed conferences happened on days when I happened to be traveling from Edinburgh down to my parents uh, in Norfolk. And, you know, I wasn't driving all of the time. So, you know, a large amount of it I attended, um, you know, in the passenger seat of, of a car with intermittent um 3G coverage as we went through the you know, Scottish borders and North Pennines and what have you. And um, uh, the, the rest of it I, I caught up with later over the, you know, the following few days. So, you know, one of the nice things about Twitter is that even if you don't catch it the instant that it's going out, it's still there. It's still quite, quite easy to catch up on the conference hashtag and to, um, and to, catch up with those tweets that you've missed um, I think in some of the things that I've written about it I've called it uh, semi-asynchronous or maybe semi-synchronous I guess that's the thing I've never considered because when we started Press Ed in 2018 I think you could only see things chronologically and obviously now you can see the latest the best tweets first um, which I've turned off um, so yeah, I, I guess that for some people, depending on how you use Twitter, uh, you might be seeing press ed for for, for uh, or hey presto for for days or weeks afterwards, depending on how popular the tweets are. And I, I always think back two years ago to um, Kevin Gannon's uh, keynote, where the first tweet in his keynote was seen by 50,000 50, people. Um, and that the, 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 you think about what we offer compared to other conferences. No conference, even the big American conferences, is fifty thousand people. Um, and fifty thousand people is playing to a stadium. Um, you know, the, 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 there are sporting events that don't get near fifty thousand people. Um, and you, again, you talk about accessibility. That 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 that's another reason for it. It's just the number of people that get the chance to see it and hopefully then can join in and, and probably if they choose to uh, gain from the knowledge that's being shared. Uh, and one other point on, on participation uh, and time zones is that it, it's now relatively easy to schedule tweets. So even the people who are presenting don't have to be awake at the time that they're presenting. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. The yeah the I'll put this on record now. The first press ed, uh, Jim Groom did the last keynote and he scheduled his tweets. So he was in bed, potentially asleep by the time his keynote finished. Uh, and again, and again, that, that that's that. What 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 better than accessibility than allowing people to get their beauty sleep while presenting? <laughs> so it's not such a good Q and A, maybe. Uh. <laughs> depends. Depends. Uh, there's, 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 it's arguable in that case. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm sure Jim. Careful, would have Jim has control of our website. Be nice yeah. to him. Yeah, I, I'm sure Jim would have picked up at, at a later date if uh, <laughs> if he'd actually got to sleep. Um, that, that would have probably worked. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be good fun. I, I'm presuming that the 24th of September, I and other people will be working. I'll be dropping in and out. Uh, and then checking over various things later on um, for all the, the reasons you, uh, you've you given. One of the nice things, I think, is about the Twitter conferences, you don't feel very embarrassed coming into your seat late or in the middle of somebody comp. In the middle, it's very, uh, it's very easy to, to see what you want to see and uh, um, pick it up either now or later on. So that, that sounds good. I just wonder... Um, before we sort of finish up, if there's anything else you want to add or uh, want to tell people, we'll have in the show notes links and dates. And I just note that it's the 3rd of September, midnight on the 3rd of September, and to get your ideas in. Um, and the conference itself, as we said, was on the 24th of September. Submission um, is e- submission is easy. Um, your abstract only has to be two hundred ninety characters long, so it's basically a single tweet to submit. Um, please amplify, spread the word about Hey Presto Conference. Let other people know. Uh, we're really very keen to get outside of our own bubbles and um, beyond the people who follow us individually. Uh, get out as wide as possible into as many different cultures and areas around the globe as possible. Um, yeah, I think one thing to add, um, uh, we've all done a Twitter conference, we've all presented at a Twitter conference, um, and um, on a personal level, I find it um, quite a buzz. Um, it's quite a, an interesting way of presenting for someone who's quite a stream of consciousness slash wandering, rambling as I, to be precise and scheduled and timed and that that it's a very different mindset and it's it's really exciting when you, you're presenting and you can hear your phone going and you know your notifications numbers is just going up and up and up and up and up and people you've never spoken before are asking you questions about your work it's a really nice experience and you know you know um john has john and uh both phil have both presented at, um uh press ed um and just just that and uh, carrying on from what phil said um you know we, we have an informal mentoring scheme so if, if you want to talk about your idea before you submit it we're happy to help you out talk you through things that can do um if you've never presented before at a conference uh so press ed, uh press ed 19 we had someone who'd never presented at any conference before so did their first ever conference session as press ed 19 and um when we come for submissions we ask you if you've ever done a conference before whether you've done a word camp or a WordPress meetup before. So we're looking to, to, to deliberately welcome on board people who haven't done submissions before, who haven't done anything like that before. So I guess the, one of the ways that we tried to write the call for papers is that we wanted to basically say, um, uh, I guess the academic equivalent of no job too small in that don't put yourself down, um, don't believe that your idea isn't interesting. Uh, we fundamentally think everybody's idea is going to be interesting. We're committed to that as a concept, and we would welcome submissions from um, anyone and everyone. Um, uh, and yeah, I hope that the website and the, the stuff that we've written makes that apparent. And if not, please tell us. 
like I say, we're always we're, we're perpetually working to try and make make ourselves um, as good as we can be. Brilliant. Um, I, I certainly can sort of echo when I presented it whichever one I did present that, that it's a very friendly and open and non-critical environment to uh, to dip your toes into uh, and if people had some very beautiful slides and other people had texts and I, I found them all equally interesting and engaging so uh I think it could be really good fun if if you've not done anything like this before. It's a really great way to start without, um, as we are talking about earlier, if you've got a face for radio, it's <laughs> a face for Twitter is pretty much the same thing. So, uh, anything else from you, Phil? Or Thank you for having us. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk about what we're doing. Uh, it's, it's lovely to hear um, a minute the website itself is delightful uh, oh that was my last question uh, it, obviously the rabbit is coming out of the hat um, and the hat is turning into is that a, a VR headset is, uh, <laughs> no no it was just um, I think it reflects perhaps on my ability to draw um, <laughs> in that uh, we wanted uh, we wanted um, because we were hey presto um uh, with thanks, um, me and Phil tried to come up with a name, and then um, I asked my partner if she'd got any ideas, and she came up with Hey Presto. And I was like, God, me and Phil tried to do this for about two hours, and you, you basically come up with a better idea in thirty seconds. So it was always going to be something magical, because um, of obviously because of Hey Presto, um, and we always thought it'd be a rabbit coming out of a hat. And I thought, well, we could just have the the rabbit, but then there's uh, the, there's the TV company um, Hat Trick have something similar so we wanted something a little bit different and we just thought about a bunny that was kind of in a hat um was a was an interesting thing so it's just a bunny with uh that has successfully put its arms and its feet through a hat and it just chooses to live uh and i say a bunny we, we um they have a name their name is hopeful um <laughs> so yeah they're just uh, there's, there's nothing fancy like vr involved it's just uh, it's just a bunny uh living in a hat with a wand and um, a bunch of magic flowers Brilliant. Well, and and yeah. Hopfung Bunny is very happy in that town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say if you go to the um, if you go to the organisers page, Hopfung Bunny just chooses to live in that hat, and they're, they're very happy doing so. So we uh, again we respect their decision on that, and yeah. it doesn't in any way reflect my ability to draw rabbits. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, there'll be lots of rabbits pulled out that the hat on the, on the actual conference, and lots of really interesting. And magical things. So, can I say to you, Phil and uh, Pat, thanks very much for giving up your time this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to hang this call up in a, well, hang up the radio, the broadcast in a second or two. Uh, we'll put the podcast of this up on Edutalk as soon as possible. So, if you're listening live or listening later, cheers, and I hope you can join in the Hey Presto conference. Cheers.